Hi, uh, thanks everybody for coming down to the Glow Centre tonight uh, for Motherwell and Wisher 2019 general election hustings. Uh, firstly, I have to say thanks to Aslef Motherwell uh, and North Lanarkshire Trade Union Council uh, for making a small donation towards the room hire as well. So a round of applause for them, that'd be brilliant. We've also taken a small donation on the door just to cover costs of the hire, but it looks like there's a lot more off you here than expected. So anything additional, uh, we'll make sure we donate to Basics Food Bank and Motherwell as well. So. Uh, for those that don't know, just to introduce your candidates this evening, we've got uh, Phyllis right there, uh, Angela Finney from Scottish Labour. Uh, Christopher Wilson from the Liberal Democrats. And Marion Fellows from the Scottish National Party. Unfortunately, there is uh, two candidates on the ballot paper that are unable to attend tonight. Uh, we have Megan Gallagher from the Conservatives, uh, who sent her apologies, uh, and Neil Wilson from uh, UKIP as well, who's working up north at the moment, so sorry they couldn't be here. What we're going to do is we're going to let each candidate uh, have roughly a five-minute introduction, uh, followed by some questions that have been submitted online in advance, uh, and then we'll make sure that anyone in the room that wants to ask a question will get to do so as well. Uh, and finally wrap up with the candidates uh, giving a speech about why they should, why you should select them in the ballot paper. So uh, in alphabetical order by first name, uh, first up we've got Angela Feeney from the Scottish Labour Party. Thanks Derek and thanks for organising tonight's hustings and thanks to my friends from NASLEF Union um, for supporting us, uh, us too. This general election is black and white. That's it. It decides who we want in government. It's not about Brexit and it's not about independence. Do we want to be controlled by the Tory eating elite yet again? Or do we want a Labour government who stands up for the many and not the millionaires? That's the choice we face on the 12th of December. I am a councillor in Wisha and I have worked for our National Health Service for the past 25 years and it has been an absolute honour. I was brought up just along the road in the dual scheme in Belsill. I was a free school ticket child, and I can remember the embarrassment attached to it. And I'm absolutely delighted to Labour's pledge of free school dinners for every child and to carry on the work of North Lanarkshire Council of 365 project out with, uh, throughout Scotland. At times, my family depended on benefits and I'm not ashamed to say so. The Tories see benefit claimants as spongers. I don't, and neither does my party, the Labour Party. We see it as an investment. With help from the state, I left Belsill at 17. I went to university, got my degree. I came back and started working for my NHS. I am standing as a Labour candidate for the very same reasons I joined the Labour Party. I want to improve the lives of people and give children the same opportunities as those born with a silver spoon. Nearly 25% of children, that's 5,000 children, live in poverty in this area. That's 10 years of a Tory government. By the end, out, by the, end the rollout of 13,000 people will be on universal credit. Universal credit is a punishment to the poor and the poor should never be punished, they should be helped. People are waiting 
up to six weeks for payment. That's a staggering. They're waiting six weeks to figure out whether they can eat or heat their homes. People around here don't have what we would call a good back door where they can go to their parents and ask for a loan of money. When they've got no money, it means they've got no money. A staggering 36,000 households in this area are living in fuel poverty. Only Labour and only candidates who have experienced poverty either through work or lived it can address this. We will end universal credit and bring in a fairer system that will help and not punish. We will increase the minimum wage to £10 an hour. 14,500 people will benefit locally, giving those earning at the moment 8.21 an hour an extra £3,000. And don't let us have what the Tories say, a week local business can't afford to pay a £10 minimum wage. They said that when Labour brought in the minimum wage in 1997. And what happens is, when people on, on a low wage get extra money, they pay it locally. They pay into their local community. As a councillor and a trade union rep with Unison, I listen daily to the challenges people face. This election is about whether we have the Tories in government or the Labour in government. It's what you want when you wake up on the 13th of December. Do you want the Tories or do you want Labour? And only Labour will bring real change. Thank you. Thanks very much, Angela. Uh, next up, we've got Christopher Wilson from the Liberal Democrats. Good evening. Um, thanks, Derek, for organising this. As a fellow Motherwell fan, I'm really grateful to you for the way you reached out to me, and I'm really happy that you've helped us to you know, participate in democracy in this area through Hustons. It's very important. Let me start by saying how extremely proud I am to stand in my home constituency in this election. I've lived here all my life. I was born here. I grew up here. Went to primary school, high school here. And even today, I still live in North Motherwell, just up the road there. And representing this area is the key reason that I got into politics. I'm also 19, and this is my first vote in a general election, never mind standing. So, um, you know, I'm jumping right into democracy straight away. Um, let me first focus on the issue of tactical voting. That's an issue that's been discussed a lot in this election, so let me be clear. I don't want people voting for me because of what I'm not, but because of who I am, because of what I represent, and the vision that I have for this community. That vision involves keeping DLC works open, no matter what, it involves treating mental health with the same focus as physical health. It involves more investment in this constituency. And most importantly, it actually means governments paying attention to us for once. We have been neglected in constituencies like this for generations. And it is up to this parliament in particular to change that. Finally, I want a different type of politics. I'm not here to point score and to shout at each other across a chamber and slouch across government benches like some sort of, I don't know what Jacob Rees-Mogg can be described as, but it's not something I relate to. But to serve my community, that's my priority. And it will always be my priority as your Member of Parliament. 
If you believe in all of those values, I strongly urge you to vote for me on December the 12th. Thank you. Thank you very much, Christopher. Uh, next up, we've got Marine Fellows from the Scottish National Party. Good evening, everyone, and thank you, Derek. Um, it's really nice to be back here. I remember this place fondly for huge public meetings, one during the referendum and one where we had a WASPy women uh, meeting in here, which was attended just by as many folk uh, as are here tonight. A bit about me, um, well, some of you all know me already. I've been the local MP for four and a half years. I've worked hard to further folk in Motherwell and Wishaw. It's a I can't say I was born here, I chose to live here. Um, I'll never be local, I'll never be a native, but you know, I made a choice, I could have moved away a couple of times. But I, when we arrived here, my husband and I, in Wishaw in 1988, we chose there because George had had lunch in an Italian restaurant and said, that's a nice place, we should go there. So we did, and what did I find? I found people who care about their community, people who care about their neighbours, people who care about things in general. And when I became the MP for the first two years, that was the focus of what I did. I went round almost every local agency, local community effort in any size, shape or form. And I met with people who I'm still in awe of, people who give up their time, their money and their hearts to help this place. Who wouldn't be proud to come from Motherwell and Wisher with a background like that? Too often, this community has been denigrated, degraded, robbed. But actually, what's kept it going right through the hard times and right up till now is the folk who live here. Not necessarily the folk that were born here, but the folk who live here. I'm here representing the Scottish National Party and I'm proud to do so. I'm very proud to do so. This is a really, really important election. This is about Scotland's future. Since 1955, Scotland has never voted for a Tory government, but we've had them foisted on us. We've had them foisted on us with the right-wing ideas. We had Thatcher, we lived through the times of Thatcher, and we're now living in a very, very, very difficult time for folk in this constituency. I don't think Labour's the answer. I think Labour, I like a lot of their policies. In fact, I should like a lot of their policies because a lot of them are borrowed from what the SNP is already doing in Scotland. Why wouldn't I like them? In Scotland, we, have a social, we are creating a social security system that's fit for purpose, based on dignity and respect. That's not what Westminster offers us, no matter which government's in power, which type of government is in power. At the heart of a social security system, there has to be dignity and respect. How many folk in this room are one pay away? One pay, I've been in that position, one pay away from disaster. You can't meet the rent. You can't pay the mortgage. You can't pay for your children. 
It is an absolute disgrace in one of the most rich countries in the world. And how do we treat our pensioners? How does the UK treat its pensioners? I was at the Scottish Pensions Forum Hustings in Glasgow this afternoon. We treat our pensioners worse than any other developed country in the world. That has to stop. Waspy women. How did that happen? In 2015, when I went down to Westminster for the first time, Waspy women came to us and spoke about... Waspy women came to my surgeries. Waspy women came to Parliament to lobby their MPs about what had happened to those who'd been born in the 1950s. It's a disgrace. They paid in. The government should pay out. Two governments changed the rules. Two governments changed the rules and didn't tell these people. We've been fight We, in 2015 asked uh, an institute in London to cost how to repay these women. How could it be done? Mary Black, Ian Blackford. We put a proposal in Parliament. Nobody backed it. After all, it's only the SNP. What do they know? We were blocked at every turn by the two major UK parties. I'm not bitter. I'm just a bit upset. There's so many things that we are doing here in Scotland that benefit folk in Motherwell and Wishaw, but this is not about what the Scottish Government is doing. This is far more important than that. This is about where Scotland sees itself, where Scotland wants to be, what kind of vision we have for this country. We may be small, but the kind of minds and the business acumen the talent we have in this country, from young and old, is outstanding. Don't let anyone tell you you're too small, you're too wee, you're too poor. Other countries do it. Look what's happening to Ireland through this whole Brexit rigmarole. They're being supported by the other countries in the EU. We are committed as a party to Scotland remaining in the EU. Scotland voted to remain 62% to 38. I listened, this constituency voted in roughly the same measure. I listened to my constituents. I have opposed Brexit at every turn. We almost got there by beating Boris Johnson, but he won. He got his Brexit bill through on the back of Labour votes. That is, that is a disgrace. The final thing I want to talk about, and this is hard for me, this is quite hard, Trident. We talk about money. We talk about how will things get paid for. Stop spending billions and trillions on Trident renewal. Spend it on hospitals, spend it on schools, spend it on pensions. It is an absolute farce that Scottish Labour, at their conference, voted to scrap Trident renewal. But what's happening with UK Labour is they're going, no, we're not listening to you. It's what we want that matters. You vote for SNP, we can send a very strong message to Westminster.
And I know how many folk here watch Parliament TV on a daily basis. I get told quite often, look, this is important. This is your future, not my future, I'm old. But it's my granddaughter's future that I'm, and I say granddaughters because I've got four of them and no grandsons. Somebody get on with that, will you? I want a better future for Scotland and its peoples. Vote SNP on the 12th of December. Thank you very much, uh, Marine Fellows. Uh, just before we go on, I just want to quick show of hands for people in the room that are still undecided at the moment. <laughs> a few. And is there a show of hands for maybe people in the room that maybe could be swayed by what they hear this evening? Some? Sure. Thank you. Uh, so we've got some questions that have been sent in advance. There's three of them. Uh, and then we'll move on to make sure that everyone gets their chance to ask. Uh, the first one was sent in by Jacob Morrison, uh, and I think this is a very good question, if I do say so myself. Uh, we'll start off with Angela on this one. Uh, for the second one, we'll then start with Christopher on the third one. We'll start with Marion. Uh, Angela, this is for you to start off. Many MPs have left their parties in the previous session over differences. What's the biggest point of contention between you and your party? As the saying goes, sorry, can everyone hear me? You're as well being in the tent as out the tent. And you can only influence things if you're in a party, if you stay in and argue your bit. I'm a Unison member and I have campaigned for against PFIs in hospitals. It was a Labour um, initiative that was brought in by the Blair government. But I campaigned and I was proud to campaign with my Unison colleagues. We went out and collected 5,000 signatures against such. And, within, and with that and with Unison members, we now um, have changed Unison, we've changed Labour policy and we will be bringing PFIs back into public ownership. Under I am passionate about privatisation. We will be bringing the, the rails under um, public ownership also and we'll be running um, public buses um, too. Marion um, touched on Trident. I have disagreed with the party's views on Trident um, as well. I think it's a total waste of money. It's money that should be used um, within our communities. And again, if, if all Labour members just left the party just because they disagreed at times, we would be left with nothing. But there's people like me that have stayed in the Labour Party when we've um, disagreed with points like Trident, like privatisation, like PFI, and now we're beginning to see the results in this manifesto. Um, the Trident debate was actually moved again by, mis by Unison delegation at party conference, and if elected, I would be taking that down t as an MP at Westminster. Thank you. Uh, yep, thank you very much, Angela. Same question goes to you, Chris. Uh, I can repeat that. Uh, many MPs have left their parties in the previous session over differences. What's the biggest point of contention between you and the Liberal Democrats? Well, I suppose there's probably quite a few. You just need to give me a couple of hours to name them, really. Um, but really, I just echo what Angela said. Um, you're better off peeing outside the tent than peeing in it. Um, but really, if... <laughs> 
if I was to name one issue that I have disagreed with the party on, it's minimum unit pricing for alcohol. I don't think it's a policy that will work long term, and I think it does, you know, work. Well, I think it does impact the poorest in society the most, but again, that is an issue that I have disagreed with the party on, but long term, they're still working on me to support it. And I'm open to, you know, being convinced on issues. I'm not, I'm not really someone who allows their views to be fixed in stone. So if anyone ever wants me to, you know, support their view on anything, I'm willing to listen to them on it. Thank you very much, Christopher. Uh, and finally, Marine Fellows, uh, I'm sure you know the question, but just to repeat it, many MPs have left their parties in the previous session over differences. What's the biggest point of contention between you and the Scottish National Party? Thanks, thanks, Derek. I, I'll be honest, I can't, ever, I can't ever see myself leaving the party. I'm very closely aligned on most of their policies. And I have to say, there's this myth goes around um, that this SNP are clones and robots and we just do what we are told. Um, I'd love some of you to come into some of our group meetings at Westminster and listen and learn about how we actually argue and argue vehemently with each other on all sorts of issues. And then we take a vote, because we're a democratic party. We take a vote and we decide that that's the way forward. And we put the disagreements to one side and we move forward. I'm not always comfortable with the way that older people are treated, though I think we're starting to get there. And that's because I'm an older person, I suppose. But um, it's because I sometimes think there are a lot of younger people in the SNP now, they are our future, but I think sometimes they should learn a little from those of us who've been around a wee bit longer. So sometimes I think that there's two, it could be, it could be seen as if you're younger, you get all the, I mean, I'm jealous of Mary Black, you know that, Eric. <laughs> um, and I, apart from that, I can't really think of anything that I fundamentally disagree because Although there are small issues on none of the larger issues, do I have any disagreement with the SNP? Because I think people have said to me, and Faisal Islam said to me years ago, how will you keep whipping, because I'm a whip, um, how will you keep whipping them? People are bound to disagree later on. And I say, no, because what unites us is our absolute aim. And it's a founding reason for our party, which is independence for Scotland. Hello. Uh, second question, we'll start with Christopher this time. Uh, I suppose some of you have already answered this in your, your opening piece, but uh, given the austerity being pushed in society and global environment crisis, uh, how can you stand for a party committed to nuclear weapons? I have to say that um, regarding Trident, I do have my own views on this, and I'm not you know, the biggest fan of having nuclear weapons stored in the cloud. It's not 
something that I would advocate long term. I don't believe in war. I believe in a more peace, peaceful society. But at the same time, I have to ask myself, what is the threat that our country faces? I'm not... <laughs> okay, so there are two threats the country faces. There are two threats. But, yeah. I don't think many of us would advocate for actually using Trident against Tories. I don't think we'd... Uh, but, but I suppose that no one in the room... I suppose that no one in the room truly knows what the threats are that we face. So most would really have no idea what each nation is actually planning and working on in private. So I suppose, you know, having nuclear deterrents are useful in that way. But at the same time, the Lib Dem policy on this is we should have a minimum deterrent, the bare minimum, for, for now anyway. And then long term, we're hoping to have complete disarmament across the world because we do believe in a more peaceful society. Thank you, Christopher. Marion, I suppose you've touched on it already, but I'll let you Yes, it, it's something that's core to my being. Um, my husband always used to say this is a moral issue. The churches in Scotland are very much against nuclear weapons, as am I. I think it's, there's something wrong with a society that wants to spend an obscene amount of money on that. When you have issues in defence, in the defence area, where we have uh, Soviet submarines, sorry, I beg your pardon, Russian submarines now, going up the Murray Firth, and there being no planes or sport, you know, to actually track them, and no vehicles, no boats and our ships. I'm sorry if there's any sailors in the room, I always get that wrong. Then there, there are no conventional um, gunships or um, warships to actually track them physically. So why would we spend even more money on nuclear weapons when we're not actually defending the coast of the country that we already have? Thank you, Maureen. Uh, Angela, if you want to add. Yep, so given uh, austerity being pushed in society and the global environment crisis, uh, how would you stand for a party committed to nuclear weapons? Uh, that was from Stuart Darling, and we had a similar question if you wanted to add on to this here. Uh, what is your opinion on nuclear weapons being based 40 miles from here? Uh, and if, if we voted for you, if elected, in any mo would you stand for any motion to dismantle nuclear submarines? Yeah, thanks to Kenny and Stuart for sending in the questions. Well, thanks. Um, to earlier on, I've made my positions clear on Trident. Um, I don't support Trident. I was part of the delegation, the Unison delegation that moved the motion um, at Scottish Party Conference. And it's with um, people like myself staying in the party that if we're elected, we can influence um, the party, the UK party, um, widely. But what I'll say is, I've been chapping doors. I've been chapping doors non-stop this week and Trident hasn't come up. I'm not saying Trident isn't important. It is very important. Um, but what is coming up is people are really, really struggling in our streets. And we're talking about austerity. Austerity needs to end. As I said earlier, there's 5,000 children living in poverty.
did, I, I did answer the question. Answered the question. Says I did, didn't support and now, I moved the motion at Scottish part, at Scottish part, um, Labour Party conference. I did answer the question. Thank you very much, Angela. And if we could just let the candidates finish speaking before we, we jump in, that would be great. But the last question, we'll start with uh, Marine Fellows. Uh, this has been sent in by Elaine May. What would you do to stop the normalisation of food banks in this community? I am appalled at the number of food banks in this area. I have worked with um, and donated to, as have most people in this room, I find it absolutely abhorrent. I think one of the things, and here I'm going to praise North Lanarkshire Council, and I did this in Parliament, because I'm not someone who doesn't recognise the good work that other people are doing. Because of the, the approach they had, anyone who went to a food bank was referred either to the Scottish Welfare Scheme or to the Welfare Rights Team in North Lanarkshire, with whom I've been working quite closely over the last wee while. And the root cause of the need for them to go to food banks regularly was investigated. And the number of people who had to go to food banks dropped in North Lanarkshire. That was before universal credit was rolled out right across Lanarkshire. So things have changed a bit since then. We in the SNP are committed to fighting austerity. We have put in numerous private members' bills. We have put in motions to Parliament in Westminster. And we have tried our damnedest to, make, to let people know how bad it is. I think if I go back to when I first went to Parliament and I... <laughs> I'm not someone who looks at people, sticks labels on them and dislikes them for what I think they are. And I went with an open mind. And within two weeks, I remember sitting, watching a Tory member of parliament saying, why don't people on benefits just save then? <laughs> now, I, I'm not stupid. I'm not exactly the world's best mind, but I'm not stupid. And then it really dawned on me that there are so many people in Westminster who don't know what it's like to open your purse and not have enough money to feed your children. What would I do? Well, I'd follow the example of the Scottish government who have been mitigating Tory austerity for the last four years, four and a half years who have been fighting day and daily to give carers, now children, and people who have three, have the misfortune to be in a two-bedroom house when they only need one. Whenever austerity is mentioned and whenever a new thing comes in, all the SNP get to hear is, well, you have the powers, you can do something about it. Well, yes. But when you're given a fixed amount of pocket money and you are, and I use that analogy, you cannot spread that over absolutely everything that comes in. The Scottish Government is given a grant from Westminster. They have a fixed sum and they have to spend it as best they can. Politics is about choice and some of the choices they have to make are hard choices, as 
that happens in any walk of life. But it does mean that the Scottish government cannot mitigate against every right-wing Tory policy. It is because if you take money from one pot, say education, to put into NHS or to give to school meals, it has to come from somewhere else. That, so I think the answer really is independence because then we can manage our own money and make our own unfettered political choices. It may not even be an SNP government in an independent Scotland, but it will be a government elected by the people of Scotland to serve them and to follow what they want to happen. Uh, we'll go to Angela next. Uh, Angela, just to repeat the question for you. Uh, what would you do to stop the normalisation of food banks in this community? The normalisation of food banks is an absolute scourge in our community. As I said earlier, 5,000 children in our community are living in poverty. Food parcels, there was five, over 5,000 given out um, around this area. And the Trussell um, Food Bank, over 210,000 were given out in Scotland. That is an absolute disgrace. And it's no surprise that the Tory didn't, um, didn't show up tonight. <clears throat> if you want to mitigate, mitigate against Tory austerity, this is your choice. It's your choice on the 12th of December. You vote Labour, and you vote in a Labour government that is going to mitigate against austerity. How do you mitigate it against it? You get rid of universal credits. You stop punishing the poor. As said earlier, we're all only a paycheck away from it. You stop punishing them, wait for, and people are waiting up to six weeks for payment. You give it the way it was done years ago. I remember having to use it myself, tax credits. If you were low that week, if your wages were low, you phoned up, there was money. There wasn't this punishment. You give a 5% pay increase to your public sector workers. People don't go into the public sector to make money, to make big money. They go in to help their community. But we have been punished. We've been punished by the Tory government um, over the banking crisis. And there's not many public sector workers that have be, um, been bankers. So a 5% pay increase for your average nurse would be about £1,500. That lifts people out of poverty. Because it's not only um, people not in work that are using food banks. There's people that are in work that are using food banks. There's people like nurses in food um, going and using food banks. We would be... Um, we're talking about a green industrial revolution as well. When I stood to be the, the candidate, I contacted Corbyn's office and says, what is going to be done here with a Labour government? It's not going to be the same old, same old. The, the place has been destroyed, we all know, by Ravenscraig and the factories round about. Um, we got Rebecca Long-Bailey up, up along and she came and she looked about the area and we had a meeting with over 100 people, trade unionists, activists, just people from the area. And we're going to invest in high-skilled jobs, jobs in the area. It's going to bring about 35,000 jobs and it will be unionised jobs. It will be well-paid unionised jobs where people, instead of having zero-hour contracts, which we will ban, we will ban zero-hour contracts um, and we will be giving them... Um,
Jen, if you could just let the candidate finish before jumping in, please. And we'll tax, we'll tax the rich. I can't imagine many people in here will be affected by, by a tax raise, um, raising powers, but people will be taxed if they're earning over 80,000 um, a year. There'll be an extra £8.30 a month that they're having to pay in tax, and that will pay for these um, changes that we're making to stop children having to use food banks. Thank you, Angela. Uh, finally, Christopher, again, what would you do to stop the normalisation of food banks in this community? Well, I think it really does have to be a two-pronged approach between making work pay and a more generous benefit system. Um, in terms of making work pay, we need a genuine, real living wage in this country. I don't think the minimum wage actually works for people. I don't think people can actually if they're on the minimum wage, they can't actually afford the necessities in life. There's a reason why it's called the minimum wage and not the living wage, because you're not really expected to live on it. Um, and if we were in government, we'd review how to go about creating a real living wage so people in this country can actually afford what they need. Food, um, housing, all that. And then we'd also have a more generous welfare system would scrap the two-child limit and the benefit cap, and we think that would be worth an extra £2,780 per child per year. And I think that would actually give people more money back in their pockets so that they can actually spend and improve their lives. Finally, we need a government that actually cares about the poor in this country. For the past four years at least, We've had a government that doesn't care about the poor. They just don't. And their policies reflect that. But under a Lib Dem government, we would use our policies to improve the lives of the poorest in this country. Thanks. OK, thank you to all the candidates for answering those questions. We're going to now put some questions to the floor. Uh, can I just thank you, first of all, for uh, being respectful to each candidate, and hopefully we can continue that uh, throughout the evening, so if we can try and let the candidates give their answers before giving back, and I can understand that you've all got quite a lot that you'd like to say, so we'll start off at the back, the girl with the blonde hair that we'd like to ask. And if you'd like to ask, just raise your hand and we'll make sure we get round as many as possible. Uh, this is a question about the, the free school dinners. Angela, can I ask how the Labour voted a couple of months ago with the Tories in North and South Lanarkshire? regarding primary three, four and five uh, free school meals. Okay, we'll move on to the next question, if that's okay. The man at the front here with the green top. If you just uh, wait to get the microphone. And if you could specify which candidate you'd like to ask to, or if you'd like to ask everyone, that would be, that'd be brilliant. I'll ask them all. 
I've got two questions, but the first question is, if Labour get a government, you're going to get a minimum £10 an hour, and then that's going to be a pay rise for so many people. But somebody mentioned it earlier on, the minimum priced alcohol units, that's been up. And the SNP are talking about charging you for parking at your place of work. There goes your pay rise. That's true. You can just let the, the man finish on, on you go. And my other question is, I'm a yes voter, put my cards on the table, but I want to know what the parties can do for me if, if I still want independence. Okay, so Christopher, we'll start with yourself. Uh, just to reiterate the, the first question there from the gentleman, I believe it was uh, putting car parking prices up uh, and also to do with the minimum price on alcohol, which you've touched on already, and, and also, what would your party do for independence, is that correct? Yeah. So, um, is the question about if I support the car park tax and that sort of thing, or I'm not real sure what the so question... The question is, if the Labour government is going to get a living wage, and they are, uh, sorry, a, a living wage, you said yourself that you will give a living wage if it was you, but the SNP are going to tax you. They want to tax you every which way they can. They're even talking about taxing for coffee cups now. It's just 35p a cup, something like that. That's more money again. That's talking that for your pay rise you're getting. If you could just, just ask them what the, the question is, that would be, yeah. be brilliant. The question is, you're getting a pay rise, but you're not getting a pay rise because the SNP are going to take it away for you in Scotland. So what's the question, sorry? Why? Why are they taking it off you when, you, when you're getting it? You're, one, you're, you're out working to get a pay, a decent rate of pay. But you're not getting that because they're taking it back off you. Why are they taking it back off you? Why not tax the rich ones? So we'll go, we'll go with that then. Yeah, I suppose if you want to answer that, Marion, you'll go for yourself. It was directed at the sure. SNP. Um, the five pence on uh, coffee cups, which I pay myself because I keep forgetting to take my refillable, reusable coffee cup. And that's something that, the same as we did with... Uh, plastic bags. That's to do with the climate emergency. Scotland, the First Minister announced uh, that there would be charges and that we would tackle the climate emergency. The money, the money goes into the government to help fund things like the renewables that we're trying to put out instead of uh, rich uh, fuels. The Workplace parking uh, is, was brought in in the Scottish budget. And as you know, the Scottish government is not a majority government. We work with other parties in order to get our budget through. No, we don't work with the Tories. We work with the Greens. It was the Greens that helped the Greens and the SNP got the Scottish government budget through. And we, we listen to all parties. We'll work with any party, but we have to, to get the budget, in, in the Scottish Government, we have to get the budget through, otherwise nothing will happen. Local authorities won't get their money, no one will get paid, etc. 
And in fact, it's going to be much more difficult this time to even start talking about the Scottish budget because of this election, because normally there would be a budget in the UK Parliament and then the Scottish Government built it. But that's not what this election is about. This is about what happens at Westminster. It, but before I move on to that, workplace parking, the companies can take on this charge. And it's up to the councils, actually, in each area to decide whether or not, whether or not they will impose... Pardon? There's a minority SNP government in Scotland of what? Um, I think I explained earlier that we get a fixed budget from Westminster. We, excuse me. I'm sorry. We'll just let Marine answer the question. That would be Could brilliant. I? Thank you. Um, we don't use tax raising powers. Yes, we did. We stopped. We we kept the limit at which people pay more tax. When Westminster increased it, we didn't increase it, but that means more people in Scotland with higher earnings above 50,000 are paying more in tax. You're shaking your head, sir, but that's the truth. Okay, we'll move on to the next we question. We have used tax okay. raising powers. We've brought... We'll take a question from John Milligan at the back there. I'm sorry, before you do, Angela, sir, you've just accused me of lying. Excuse me, excuse me, sir, I think you need to check your facts. Okay, just before we move on, I think Angela would, would like to come in on that question. That's okay. Thanks for your, your question. It depends why you voted yes. If you voted yes for nationalist reasons, um, or if, uh, did you vote yes for... Um, you want a socialist um, Scotland. And if you want a socialist Scotland, you can wake up to a socialist Scotland on the 13th of December, but you can also wake up to a socialist um, UK also. Going back to workplace parking, people shouldn't be getting taxed for going um, to their place of work. And that's why I'm delighted that um, a Labour government will give free travel to under 25s and we will bring the railways back and into, we will nationalise the railways. And if, and if you wanted to, if you voted yes because you wanted to see people lifted out of power, out of poverty, sorry, and if you, out of poverty, and if you voted yes because you wanted to see skilled jobs, unionised jobs come to this area, then vote for this manifesto because it'll happen UK-wide. Thank you, Angela. Uh, yeah, question at the back, uh, John Milligan. I'll just make a wee general point more or less to um, all the panel, uh, Chair. And by the way, thanks for organising this tonight and allowing a be democratic discourse among our fellow citizens. And the question, if I want to just make a point, is that I assume that all will accept that it's not what politicians say in opposition, promises and all, it's what they do when in power. So I listen very intently to replies our friend from the Liberal Democrats. We won't forget your austerity years, mate, in coalition. The recent, there was a recent podcast interview conducted by yourself, Derek, the organiser of the event tonight. An extraordinary interview, to say the least. 
There's an interview with yourself, Angela. In the interview, you spoke of the great years of the previous Labour government under Blair. I want to say it was a sanitised version of Labour in power, in which you said you were filled with hope and proud of what Labour did. This conflicts entirely with my own experience of the years. As I was concerned, there were years of despair and betrayal, and betrayal of the Labour and trade union movement, yes. including trade unions, <laughs> of which I'm a long-standing member. You said in the interview, and I quote, Aside from the Iraq war, we did great. Aside from the Iraq war, we did great. You said it as if it was some minor blemish in an otherwise faultless record of government. You did. I have to say this was a disgraceful comment to brush off a conflict that cost the lives of hundreds and thousands of men, women and children and we see the legacy today. John, do you want Angela to come back in that? Or? Yeah, just a minute. The horrific images on our TV screens of families in refugee camps and those dying drowning at sea and they try to escape camps and those dying. And those dying. Blair took the country to war based on a lie. Okay, John, we'll, we'll let Angela come back. Blair is a war criminal. And he should be condemned for his John, actions and out of his government. Just like Angela you might wish to one. conveniently forget Angela. Right, but yep. I can tell you the historic reality is there. And while it doesn't tune into your narrative, I won't forget. Okay, John, we'll just let Angela come back in, in there, if that's okay. No hustings is, is complete without a question from yourself. For the Iraq war, like many in this room, I took to the streets and I campaigned against it. <laughs> and Labour did do a lot of good when they came into power. I'm not a Blairite. Anybody that knows me in the Labour Party knows that fact. Fine, well, I'm not a Blairite, and I did criticise the Blair years. I've told you I took to the streets with Unison, and I, I campaigned against the PFIs. I took to the street against the Iraq war. There were things in that government I didn't agree with, but I didn't walk away. I've stayed in, I've stayed in, and I've influenced this manifesto, and it's a manifesto that's going to change lives. If you just, uh, would you like Christopher to come in on the austerity years for the Lib Dem coalition? I feel like I have to make this clear. I would have voted against the coalition if I was in Parliament at the time. I, there's a lot of things that the coalition did that I completely disagree with entirely. They negatively impacted on the poorest in society. And I have to say that if this election does result in a hung Parliament, I would never, ever, ever vote for the Tories, and I know the majority of my Lib Dem colleagues, if not every single one of them, would do the same. But with regards to austerity itself, there were some things that the coalition did right, but I do accept that we did a lot of things wrong in the coalition, and we've learned from it, as all parties do. Um, coalition is normal in Europe. We do have to give up concessions. But I have to say that a lot of the concessions we made, we shouldn't have made. 
And yeah, that's really it. I disagree with a lot of what the coalition did. And a lot of my Lib Dem colleagues are the exact same. We'll take a uh, question from the gentleman at this side, just with his hand up in front of you, Thank you. My question is for Angela Feeney. Um, before I came here tonight, I listened to a party political broadcast on behalf of the Scottish Labour Party. But the only politician who appeared, it was the Scottish Labour Party, but the only politician who appeared was Jeremy Corbyn. And there was an obvious ambition from this. The leader of the Scottish Labour Party, Richard Leonard, didn't appear, didn't speak. Or he actually did appear as a, on a sideline somewhere. So my question is, is this an admission by the Scottish Labour Party that Richard Leonard is such an electoral liability that they wouldn't even let him appear in his own party political broadcast in case he makes uh, another admission of how little he knows about Scottish politics and the difference between devolved powers and reserve powers? Jeremy Corbyn appeared on the broadcast because it's Jeremy Corbyn that's standing to be your um, Prime Minister. Richard, Le Ri Richard Leonard... Sorry? Uh -huh. Scottish... Yeah, he's not... Richard Leonard doesn't stand in to be an MP. I'm standing to be an MP. And Corbyn is standing to be um, the Prime Minister. I'm not embarrassed by by Richard Leonard. Richard Leonard has been out door knocking with me. He's came to Motherwell and I'm in no way embarrassed by him. Richard Leonard has played his part in bringing this manifesto and it's a manifesto of, of, of great change and I would urge anybody to go home tonight and to read it. We'll take the gentleman at the back of the post Thanks very much, Derek. Thanks to the three candidates who've come along. Uh, real appreciate that you all made the effort to come here where not everyone else did. Couple of quick things. First, the lady at the back who asked about the free school meals. Well, you talk about budgets and things. The Scottish government hands four times the cut that they get from Westminster and the Labour administration in North Lanarkshire feeds children 365 days a year for the families that can't afford it. The the children you're talking about are ch children whose families can afford it. So rather than feed those children whose families can afford it, they've taken the decision to provide school meals when schools aren't even open. One thing for Marion as well, my question, which I'll get to very quickly, Marion, for you as well. You said Ireland as an example of a small country supported by Europe. Well, it's a short memory or willful ignorance to say that the Irish, along the Greeks, the Italians and the Portuguese, had austerity, really brutal austerity, forced upon them by the European Union. So the small country thing is only a recent advantage to them with the Brexit issue. Before that, I'm not wrong there. If you could just let the gentleman ask his question. That's not true. It was the EU. If you just want to continue. But the oh, sorry, question. I'll go to the question, Marion. If you could, it was EU austerity. It's easily verifiable. If you can carry on with the question, please, that would be great. Sir, it's easily verifiable, it's EU. Right, but the question, my question, Marion, is I think all of us in this room probably agree that this is a, that, I'm asking, that this is a election based on austerity and Brexit. To stop austerity and stop Brexit. In practical terms, what can you actually do about that, given that there is no chance of the SNP leading the government? 
Yes, I agree. This is an election about Brexit and austerity. And you're back to your original remarks about Ireland. Yes, Ireland had hard times, but they are being supported and treated as an equal partner in the EU. Scotland is not treated as an equal partner in the other union that we are in. We are treated very much as sit down, shut up, and do what you're told. Can I, can I, can I give as an example of that the fact that 62% of people in Scotland voted to remain? Northern Ireland people voted as well. They are getting a special deal with Boris Johnson's latest Brexit deal, which I have to say is worse. It's 90% of Theresa May's deal, but with further bad bits in it. And he is absolutely determined to ram it through Parliament, causing people in this constituency and across the UK to be £1,600 a year worse off. In no way, in no conscience, could I ever vote for a deal that made folk in Motherwell and Wisha poorer, and I haven't done so. It's important that we get show Westminster that Scotland has a voice. The only way you can do that is to vote SNP, because voting SNP means that Scotland will be heard. SNP MPs have spent, you're shaking your head, sir, I can assure you that it, Scotland has, mentioned more to, has been mentioned more times in the UK Parliament since 2015 than it ever was in the days when Labour ruled Scotland. Uh, we'll take two questions here. We'll take the gentleman at the back and then the ladies at the back of this. If you just want to take the two at the same time and then we'll let them panel come back in. Uh, it's just a question for the all three of the panel, please. I've previously been a student, I've previously been employed, thankfully I'm back in employment again. While I was a student, council tax, and I know this is down to more of the council, but we're talking about universal credit getting scrapped, and things like that as well, and the benefits that you might be able to offer in Scotland. If you get in power, what are you going to do regards obviously with scrappage of universal credit and replacement regarding unemployed people having to pay council tax? Because when I was unemployed, I had to pay £15 a month towards my council tax off my benefits, but it wasn't an increase in benefits. When I was a student, I didn't have to pay a penny. My student loans, which I haven't had to repay obviously myself, more than covered my benefits and then some. But I didn't have to pay council tax on that. As a student, as an unemployed person, I had a proportion of my amount of benefits were going towards council tax. So I'd just like to ask what your actual ideas are before, when, if you get away with scrapping universal credit, are you planning to also have that involved, where you increase the money so council tax is covered, or is that something that's going to be free to the unemployed? Okay, so we'll take the question from the ladies at the back here, uh, and then we'll let the candidates answer both. My question is actually to all of the um, members. Um, yeah, some of you touched on the WASPI issue earlier. My question is, will your party ensure that all WASPI women are paid compensation? Not only people who have retired, but the people like myself who have had to continue working until I'm 66 because I was not notified that I could make alternative arrangements to save as I was never informed that my retirement age would not be at age 60. And I have to make a comment in regards to the... Um, comment that this is a, an election about Brexit. No, this is not an election about Brexit. This is an election about our health service, our education service, our transport infrastructure. This is a, not an election about Brexit. 
Okay, Christopher, we'll let you come in first on that, then we'll go to Angela and Marine. Uh, the first question, just to reiterate, if I, if I got that right, it's what will you do about unemployed people having to pay council tax? Yeah, so the Lib Dems, if we got into government, you wouldn't have to do that, full stop. We don't think unemployed people should have to pay council tax because it's just not affordable for them, really. Um, regarding the issue of the waspy women, absolutely, we want to ensure that women who have suffered as a result of the government's incompetence and not giving them notice of the state pension changes will be compensated in full, whether you've had to continue working or whether you'd retired beforehand. Thank you. Uh, Angela, we'll go to your, yourself next. For council tax, you should ask the um, SNP for, because of the last two elections, they've said that they're going to scrap the council tax and here we are again, we're still paying our council tax. And we will get rid of the universal credit. Universal credit was brought in to punish the poor and being poor, you should never be punished for, you should be supported. We will bring in a system that will bring in dignity. People again, I'll repeat again, should not be waiting six weeks for a payment. For sh you brought up the students. There should be lifelong learning for everyone. People make choices at 16, 17, 18, and they might go back to education. In the manifesto, we will be offering students um, a payment up to about £9,000, going along with the £10 um, living wage to support students and to support moving on with their career. And can I just ask everybody in this room to give a huge round of applause to the Waspy women? Because Waspy women are women in their 50s and 60s that people always kind of disregard. These are the people that have built an economy, that's looked after their families, that's held down jobs. And the Tories, with, uh, with, along with the Lib Dems, um, have punished them and didn't give them enough um, time to reflect, um, to save up for their, pay um, for their payments. This is going to cost £58 billion to rectify, but that's the moral thing to do. That's the moral thing to do to, to help these women. If you look on my Facebook page, you will see what a Labour government, if you vote for it on the 12th of December, will give the WASPY women. Thank you. And uh, Marion, if you want to come back in on that point. I made it clear earlier what the SNP group at Westminster trying to do for the, West, the WASPY women and how we didn't get support from other parties. Now, I continue to fight for the WASPY women. I and, and it's very interesting that it was only two years after we started the fight at Westminster for them that the Labour Party joined in. Could I also... Could I also say that you're talking about this uh, election being about health and education. These are devolved issues run uh, in separately in England, in Wales and in Scotland. Now, it's very easy for um, the Labour Party, and I, I would agree with them, I totally agree, that universal credit, universal credit is inequitous. It has to be, the rollout has to be halted and we have to look at ways of reforming it. To scrap a system and start again will mean that there are people who are still on legacy benefits, people who would still be on universal credit, and then there would be a third system. 
And all of these systems mean that people fall through the cracks. That's much better. It would be much better to completely halt the rollout of universal credit across the country and to reform it. It's ridiculous that people have to wait five weeks. I can remember quite clearly being at a meeting where the, the woman in charge of rolling out universal credit across Lanarkshire at one of the Poverty Action Networks meetings that we hold regularly in Motherwell and Wishaw, being told that it would be fine, it would be just like you have to wait because if you get a job, you wait till you get paid four weeks on. When people are on universal credit, they don't get paid right away and they're given a loan. They are then further punished by having to repay that loan when their universal credit comes in. The amount of child poverty, and I think North Lanarkshire Council is doing a good job, sir, and I have strongly supported what they do in terms of feeding children. Poverty, uh, hunger, holiday hunger is a huge issue right across the UK. Now, in Scotland, we, we are tackling it. We are tackled by through councils and through the Scottish government. So much of what the Scottish government does is to actually feed money down so that people benefit from initiatives that are raised by the Scottish Government to start with. The other thing I would say is that, sir, I don't know, you spoke earlier about having to pay council tax um, on unemployment benefit. Yes. 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 No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Only so, only part of the social security uh, system is devolved uh, to Scotland. Now, if we had our, our hands on the levers of the full social security system, I think I do not believe that the SNP would be charging council tax to people who are on benefits. I can't say that definitively because I'm not a member of the Scottish Government. But however, the other thing is that Angela mentioned, and I really should pick up on this, that she says that students will be given £9,000 a year. That's actually um, to mitigate against the fees that students pay in other parts of the UK. The Scottish Government scrapped fees, tuition fees, in Scotland. The Lib Dem and Labour Coalition pretended to get rid of student fees, but what they did was they just weighted them to the end of the, the course, and then you started to pay for them while you were earning, along with any student loans that you had taken on in the meantime. Okay, uh, we'll take two questions. We've got the lady here and then the lady with the dark hair in the middle. Thank you very much. Um, my question is for the three candidates and I appreciate it, Marion that health is a devolved issue but as a health worker working in NHS Lanarkshire the um, issue that we face around PFI, a Westminster policy that hits Lanarkshire, we have three PFI hospitals in Lanarkshire Hare Myers Hospital in East Kilbride, Wisher General Hospital here in Wisher in, in your constituency, and Stonehouse. The NHS Lanarkshire Health Board, before it treats or sees a patient, pays £50 million to the PFI consortiums. And I appreciate, as I've said, that health is a devolved issue, but I think uh, that a parliamentarian from Westminster, if elected, what will you do to the three, to the three candidates to support 
the Unison campaign to bring to uh, get rid of PFI. PFI does bleed the NHS dry. And in Lanarkshire, we are known as the PFI capital of Scotland. We need to get rid of PFI. Will you stand in the camp uh, alongside Unison and the other trade unions in Lanarkshire to campaign against and get rid of the PFI and ensure that the health board in Lanarkshire hear our voice? We tried seven years ago, and I have to say we were let down badly uh, by the parliamentarians who didn't stand alongside us. So I'm asking you now, will you stand with us to get rid of PFI in Lanarkshire. We'll just take this question from the girl at the back and then we'll let the candidates answer both. Um, this is a question for all three candidates. Obviously you all know how catastrophic um, the hostile environment policy um, is um, from the Tory government. If elected, what will you do to support um, EU nationals that live in the constituency and have made Scotland their home? Okay, Angela, I'll let you come in first. So, first of all, uh, would you stand on a platform to scrap PFI? Uh, and secondly, what would you do for the EU nationals that have made Scotland their home? Uh, Angela wants to come in first, then we'll go to Maureen and Christopher. Um, thanks for your... Thanks for your very important question. As you know, I've come out in the, on the doors with Unison and PFI does bleed to the NHS dry. The last time we campaigned, we collected 5,000 signatures. So the people in Motherwell and Wisha know this. And it's very important that we get support from all candidates here tonight that we need to stop the PFIs in our hospitals. This um, NHS is a devolved matter. But the NHS is suffering in Scotland. Um, targets for any waiting time isn't getting met. There's a two-month um, cancer treatment that is not getting met. And also that I, I read today, and I couldn't believe it, to go over and read it again. Here, Myers Hospital is now doing operations in porta cabins, um, and this is happening under SNP's watch. We're not speaking about England. I'm, I'm here talking okay. about as. Um, Thanks, Angela. Uh, and the second question there was, uh, what would you do for EU nationals that have made Scotland their home? For the e EU nationals, Labour's policy and Brexit is, we'll be going um, negotiating a new deal, but it'll be one for workers' rights, but we'll be come back, you either accept that deal or we do not leave the European Union. And I would be voting not to leave the European Union and supporting our EU nationals. Thank you. Um, to the lady who asked the PFI question, yes, um, I, I ran a campaign at West Lothian College. It was the only PFI-funded uh, college in Scotland, and the Scottish government bought it out. Now, that was because it was a relatively small amount. I mean, I find it absolutely disgusting that we're still... And it's not just hospitals that we're talking about. It's schools as well, where um, the Labour government decided that they weren't actually going to directly invest or borrow to invest in hospitals and schools. They decided that they would uh, give the money to shareholders instead so that they could have big, shiny new buildings uh, and not have to pay for them. It was the never-never, only it's still the ever-ever as far as uh, hospitals are concerned. It, so I'm, I'm, yes, I'll, uh, I, I, if I have not already, I will sign your pledge and yes, I will campaign with you. <laughs> On EU nationals, First Minister of Scotland 
has made numerous statements about how Scotland would suffer. People who choose to come here and work are welcome. Now, I remember going many years ago to a conference and listening, and it was an SNP conference, it won't surprise you to know, and we had an immigration minister up from London. And I can remember watching the front row, which was full of rather large, scary-looking men, and the minister gave his talk about how immigration had to be curbed and how all of this and that. And there was a man in the front row stood up and he said, economic migrants, I'm fed up hearing about economic migrants. My grandfather was an economic migrant. He came to this country to make a better life for his family. And that, as far as I am concerned, if people come to this country to work, pay taxes, make a better life for their family, they are more than welcome. Our NHS, our care sector, our farmers could not manage without migrants, without EU nationals in particular, the help in the hospitality industry. They come here to work. And if I use, for example, Polish EU nationals, I think they are very similar to Scots who went across the world to help to make more money, to help their families back home and to make a better life for their families. Yes, Scotland needs EU migrants. Scotland needs people who will come here and work because there's a lot more folk like me who are getting older who will not be able to work. And because of the way governments over the past 50 years, you think you're paying your taxes and your national insurance to make sure your pension pot is sorted. No, that's not what happens. It's spent, and by the time you retire, somebody else is paying taxes and NI to fund your pension. And if we don't have enough people economically active in Scotland, then heaven help us because there won't be the money to pay our taxes. Some of it we might get back if we can get rid of PFI hospitals, and I'm very, very happy, as I've said already, to support that campaign. Yeah, it's all right, I'm still here, you know. <laughs> People in the UK have been asking and wondering that for the past four years, but yeah, the Lib Dems are still here, just about. Um, on the PFI issue, um, it is our party policy to stand with people who oppose PFI. We passed that policy a few years ago. On EU nationals, we propose staying in the EU and the benefits it includes. And if elected as an, elected as an MP, I'll personally oppose any curbing of immigration. And, will also maintain freedom of movement. But what hasn't been mentioned yet is giving EU nationals the vote. In this election and in the EU referendum, EU nationals didn't have the vote. That's a disgrace. It really is. Two of the biggest elections in our lifetime, particularly for EU nationals, and they didn't have a say in it. It's not acceptable. So the Lib Dems would give EU nationals the vote if we were in government. 
I think we'll take a couple more questions if we can get the lady at the back and then the gentleman at the front who's his hand up for a while. Thanks. My question um, is for you, Marion. I was delighted to hear that the SNP's priority is to tackle child poverty. But what is difficult to equate that with the recent announcement that the um, benefits in the new Scottish security system, particularly benefits such as um, carers allowance and child benefits, going to be delayed in, from a year to two years, which obviously has a terrible detrimental knock-on effect for the most vulnerable in our society. Will the SNP commit to mitigate against that delay? And um, if not, why not? Thank you for your question. I can't answer, and I won't answer for the Scottish Government, because I'm not a member of the Scottish Government. But what I will say is, if you are um, the child, are you talking about the Scottish child payment of £30 a week? It's been It's it's Um, they haven't failed to put the Scottish social security system in place. Some of it has already gone through. For example, carers allow... I'm sorry, she's talking. I'm sorry, I can't hear what you're saying. You don't have a microphone any longer. Sorry. If, if the most vulnerable in our society are being failed, it's not by the Scottish government, it's by the UK government in the first instance. In the first instance, let me finish, please. In the first instance, Scot universal credit, the rape clause, the uh, two-child limit for tax credits, all of that emanated from Westminster. I'm sorry, I'm trying to answer. Right, thank you. They, they, all of this emanated from Westminster. Yes, it's taking longer than expected, but can I say that the Scottish Government is committed to the £30 a week Scottish child payment? The Scottish Government is committed to the carers' allowance, much of which has already been paid to carers who qualify. All of these benefits are based on the, uh, those who are already receiving particular benefits from the UK Government. The Scottish Government is, uh, there have been delays, I can't deny that, and I wouldn't deny that, but it is putting in place a system based on dignity and respect. Your issue is it's not going in fast enough. That's an issue for me as well. I don't keep an eye on what the Scottish Government is doing on a daily basis, but I will certainly write to Shirley Ann Somerville and ask her for an explanation as to why things are taking even longer than expected. Okay, we've got a few more questions to go. We'll try and get through them as quickly as possible. First, we'll take the gentleman at the front. We've got the two behind him and then the girl at the back up here. Hi there. My question is to Christopher about my Marco Preston. Three months ago, my sister died. A lot of damage. But I come from a family of 13 and I watched alcohol all my life. I thought alcohol was a culture, was a normal idea. I didn't go to school because I couldn't go to school because they were 13 years. 
horse my other sister die. And the reason she died is because of the culture and like the SNP, they've changed, they've done something about it. You know what I mean? There are already improvements. And when you're growing up like that, it holds you back by schooling, it causes domestic abuse. And there's just no answer to it. And I can understand how you come away with it. I don't think alcohol pricing is working. It is working, but it's going to take time. And it's going to take education. <laughs> Another question to Angela. If you were elected MP for Mother Oma Shop, will you continue with your other two jobs as well as being an MP? Or you be like Hugh Gaffney, being a councillor and an MP, claiming expenses in both jobs? How can you really um, sit your constituents in Mother Own Mystery if you're going to have three jobs? Well, if you want to come back on that about the minimum price in alcohol, and then we'll pass to Angela about if she was elected for MP, would she keep her other two jobs? Right, so um, on the issue of minimum unit pricing, um, I was referring to it because I didn't agree with it at the time when my party supported it. But having spoke to our Shadow Health Minister about it and I've heard the case for it and I completely understand where you're coming from. I do actually support it and I do want to make it work. So I'm not actually against it. We're just, uh, we're in a, bit of a time frame, so I'll pass to Angela now to answer the second question, if that's okay. And then just the gentleman behind. Thanks for your question and your comments about alcohol. It's very sad. It's a scourge around um, the, our community. Um, my family, like many families in here, have been affected by alcohol abuse and drug misuse. Um, and it's something that is a, is a public health issue. And the cuts to public health um, has detrimented that. I've got a family, I've, one of my sisters is a psychiatric nurse, another one works in addictions. And the stories that they tell me that are heartbreaking and we need more money put into these um, to help people um, within our community that's affected. And your question, would I, sorry, would I continue as a counsellor? No, I, I wouldn't. I would obviously give up my NHS job and I would um, give up my role as counsellor and, and, and commit to um, full-time MP. Good evening. My question is to all three candidates. I am a proud Scot. I'm also a veteran who served in Iraq, who's lost friends, but I now have a new career, and that career is in the NHS. Could the candidates please tell me what is the biggest threat to the NHS now? Marine, if you want to come in first. Two words. Boris Johnson. If anyone had told me four years ago that Donald Trump would be President of the United States and Boris Johnson would be Prime Minister of the United, an unelected Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, I would have laughed. I'm not laughing now. I am seriously worried about the connotations of that. Now, Labour have been, um, have been going around today and giving people do the dossier on the talks that have already taken place between, and what, what we have to remember as well, when we hear about talks about NHS in this uh, UK election, they are generally referring to the NHS in England, 
because NHS Scotland has always been, ever since the inception of the NHS, NHS Scotland has always been different from NHS England. They are separate organisations. So you have to be careful and you have to filter what is going on in Scotland versus what is going on in England. And no wise am I saying that everything in NHS in Scotland is perfect, because it absolutely is not. But I do listen to English MPs when they're questioning the health minister in parliament. And I know that the things are much worse in many other areas in, uh, in England. For example, in cystic fibrosis, many of you all know that I've had a personal interest in fighting for the use of uh, drugs uh, for children with cystic fibrosis. We, we in Scotland managed to arrange it first English MPs were using Scotland as an example to persuade the NHS England and NICE in England to get uh, a licence for it to be used in England. I'll just pass to Angela, I'm just cautious of time, Marine, so I know you like yapping, but we'll maybe shorten your answers. Thanks very much for your question and, and on the um, about being a veteran, thank you and thank you for all the um, work you do. But for veterans, we won't take people into any more illegal wars. And I'm proud that as a Labour member, I did campaign against the Iraq war. <laughs> the biggest threat to our NHS is Boris Johnston and, and his friend Trump. We've seen the dossier today. Nothing, as Trump said, is off the table. Trump is determined to get his hands round about our NHS. I'm a proud NHS worker from cradle to grave, probably Probably everybody in this room, the first person that held, that held you as a baby was an NHS worker. We treat prince and pauper. The NHS, uh, the, the Labour, a Labour government would bring in, instead of the scourge of getting priced out of medicine, we would um, bring in that we'd make our own generic medicine. How wonderful is that? Instead of drug companies... Instead of drug, drug companies ripping us off because we're ill, we will make our own generic um, medicine. So again, nothing is off the table. And we need to vote for a Labour government that is, puts this at the, at the forefront. Thank you. Festival. Well, it's that point of the night where everything's been said, but not everyone said it. So I think I should just repeat that again with a slight twist. Boris Johnson isn't the only threat to our NHS. It's the Tories. They'll privatise it further. They don't care about the impact the NHS has on us. They will happily sell it to Donald Trump, Boris Johnson's long-lost twin from birth, because they are exactly the same person. I don't care what anyone says. And, and I suppose this just shows what myself, Marion, and Andrew have in common. We don't want the NHS to be sold to Donald Trump at all. Full stop. Thank you. Okay, I'm conscious that we're, we're almost approaching time and we've only got a couple of questions left. The girl at the back said her hand up for a while and the gentleman in front of her has as well. If this lady wants to go first, then we'll do they free and then we might need to wrap up after that. My question is to Marion and Christopher. What are your parties going to give public sector workers as a pay rise? Angela, well done Labour for committing to 5%. Okay, Christopher, if you want to come in. Oh. I, 
I'm sorry, I didn't see where the lady is, so I... Sorry. <laughs> the gentleman in front of you was hiding you, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, the Scottish Government uh, is trying very hard and has given uh, pay, uh, increases in payments to some uh, workers in Scotland, which hasn't had an equivalent in England, already done that with police and already done that in terms of some of uh, some public service workers. We've also, you know, brought in the living wage and in Scotland there's 86% now of people on the living wage. I'd, I'd very proud to say that I pay the living wage myself. I'm not allowed to be accredited for it because I, um, the source of the, the payments that my staff get are Westminster, so I'm not allowed to register in Scotland and apparently not allowed to register in England either as a living wage employer. I think it, people deserve what they they deserve the full pay for a full day's work. And I'd also extend, and, and we have been fighting a campaign at Westminster to extend minimum wage, living wage, in, in across the UK, UK to 16 to 25 year olds as well, who are a, a forgotten part of this whole uh, issue. Because uh, Tories don't think that uh, children and young people are worthy of paying, getting paid the same day's pay as what they term an adult. They already have gone, uh, given... Yes, yes, they, yes, but that's from the Scottish budget. I can I can offer more than the Scottish Government can offer because they're the ones that hold the purse strings. Now, if we had the full economic levers at our disposal, then we can do more for all, everyone in Scotland because at the moment, we, the Scottish Government, the SNP Scottish Government, relies on the money they get from Westminster. Okay, I'll let Christopher come in on that point. Yeah, just on that, um, I read today that the Conservative Health Minister actually said that 16 to 25 year olds aren't productive enough to get the living wage. Now, as someone who's reasonably productive myself on a good day, I think, um, I think that's a disgrace in itself. Um, again, the health service is, of course, devolved to Scotland, so I think it's one of those very difficult areas in this election where we can't really give a specific answer because it is Holyrood. But um, we would support a real living wage, a proper living wage, so that nurses are able to afford what they can, or what they need to actually have a good life. Okay, we'll take the question from the girl at the back. Yeah, Angela, yeah, of course, let you come in. Public sector workers are the backbone of our community. We save lives and we, do, we don't save banks. We deserve the 5%, we probably deserve more and it's long overdue, but can I say this to the SNP, don't divide and conquer your public sector workers, don't give 10% to teachers and 3% to your nurses. Hi, this is to all members on the panel. Um, I'm a training provider on, I deliver training on autism and autism spectrum conditions. 
And not so long ago, I sent out an invitation to every single MSP and MP's office, inviting them to go on this training. The training would go over how people with autism or autism spectrum conditions are not accessing education and employment with the same equal access as those who are um, neurotypical. I can clarify that not a single Labour MP or MSP's office took me up in that invitation, nor Liberal Dems, and across the larger central belt of Scotland, almost half of all SNP MPs and MSPs took up the training and completed the training. Um, now, you've spoken about You've spoken about poverty, you've spoken about benefits and people accessing benefits. Um, according to the World Health Organisation, um, the figures of people within uh, the UK that are on the autism spectrum um, are 1 in 100. This will rise to 1 in 70 over the next few years. That equates to almost a 1,000 constituents in Motherwell and Wishaw alone who will not be able to access employment or education. Um, now, I've got my 13-year-old son sitting with me tonight. He wants to know what your party is going to do um, to eliminate that inequality. Um, he is one of three brothers, all with autism, and every single one of them have experienced the inequality. Um, and I wonder how your parties are going to do it, especially Labour and Liberal Dems, when you're not interested in taking up any sort of training. Um, and in the manifesto, Labour manifesto today, um, I read... Um, what you were going to do for autism and people with autism. The word autism was mentioned twice in the entire manifesto. Um, and it only stated that you will remove, you will help remove people with autism from inefficient inpatient um, settings and you will provide more ASNs. However, Angela, I do know that you voted with the, t the Tories to cut the ASNs in North Lanarkshire Council. And my children have witnessed it firsthand. I've experienced it, so I can tell you right now, they voted with the Tories to cut it. Um, so I'd like to know how your party is going to move on with its manifesto promises. I'm not a Labour MP, I'm not a Labour MSP, and I would, delight, would be delighted to come along to your training. In fact, I think all public sector workers, because it, it is um, autism, it is something that is very much on the radar, and I think all public sector workers should undergo this um, training. There has been a cut, there's been a cut from Westminster, and it's been compelled by the SNP government that it's four times higher. And there has been a... ...by the Scottish Government for ASNs, North Lanarkshire Council cut it. There's a...
Just want to let Angela come back and that'll just cost us the time. I appreciate your question. As I've said, there's, a, there's been a £230 million cut to local, to local government to North Lanarkshire Council. I know you're dissing a green with me. There has been a cut. The education in this country is ran by the SNP government who has been in power. Labour have not been in power and in, in round here for, for 10 years. You also mentioned the uh, Liberal Democrats. Would you like Chris to come back in on that? Yeah, so um, of course, like Andrew, I'd be more than happy to attend any training that you have coming up in the future. Um, I'm disappointed, to be honest, that our parliamentarians didn't attend. And like you, I'd want to know why. So I'll try and ask them in the next few days. Um, in terms of that training, I think not only should all public sector workers go, but all employers should attend as well. Yep, they should absolutely attend that because... Because I think quite a few employers probably don't quite understand how to um, deal with staff who have autism or that sort of thing. I think it's one of the problems in our society we don't pay enough attention to. and. In terms of what else we would do for um, people with autism as well, a few years ago I went to um, St. Enoch Centre in Argyll Street and they were telling me that they have, um, I think they called it cam rooms, where people with autism can go if they're um, struggling with what's happening. So I think we need to have that fully rolled out in a lot of public places as well, if that helps. Okay. We'll take uh, one final question from the gentleman at the back and then we'll let the candidates uh, follow up. Sorry, I think they'd like Marine to come back in on that uh, before we go. Just after I got elected, the one-stop shop for autism in Motherwell was under threat and I worked hard with the folk there and I made uh, applications to the council. I spoke in Parliament about it. And I started to learn more and more about autism. And, they've, and since then, I've learned also the difficulties that people with autism have in accessing benefits. Now, if the children are excluded from education, as is happening in North Lanarkshire, because I've had letters telling me this, then their life chances are reduced and they are more likely, therefore, to be in receipt of benefits later on. I've met with government ministers on this, and I, and I met, met with incredulity in some cases. They don't understand what's going on. I myself have been on autism courses, have applied uh, to, for autism friendly awards and have them because it's a growing issue. It's like many things, it, it's always been there, but it didn't always have a name. It wasn't always recognised as a condition and the different variety and the, the, the different, um, how you can be on the scale from, you know, fully functioning to not functioning. And it is an issue, and Angela would say that as well, in hospitals when people with autism can be admitted and the overwhelming experience they have because it absolutely overwhelms them, the change in circumstances, the noises, for some people it smells. I think every, every MP, MSP should go through some, for, some form of autism awareness. Uh, 
or even uh, deeper than that. Now, MPs are jacks of all trade. You, I was asked questions today about pensions, something I didn't know. But every single functioning person in a public office should be willing to learn day and daily about things they do not understand, if it at all benefits the people they are there to represent. And that's what I've been trying to do. Um, can I apologise to Chris, because I don't have a question for him, but can I ask a question about party failings uh, and frame it slightly differently for Labour and SNP? So I think whether we've spoken about you know, half a million people dying in, in war in Iraq or uh, the impacts of Brexit on Scotland or a number of other issues that affect Scotland at a local level. Uh, it's been proven that actually being inside the tent hasn't really done a great deal for Scotland to date. So going forward for the Labour Party, then how, how would the Labour Party make any, any real impact or dent in that going forward? There's all these things that have happened historically and you haven't been able to do anything about it for inside. So if we, if we were to vote for a Labour government UK-wide, then what's the chances that it's going to make a difference now? And I think to Marion, I suppose in terms of uh, feelings, if you you know if you attended hustings like this for for independence, uh, or you went along to you know independence rallies, to me it descends into a wee bit of a, a backslapping exercise, and we're all sort of you know I don't think I think a lot of people couldn't believe that we didn't get independence in a way. Um, it seems all a bit gets a bit sort of self congratulate self congratulatory almost. So my question to you is, is actually, you know, there seems to be a good SNP following here tonight, but how do we, how do we address the issue of independence for the people that have got genuine concerns about independence? I feel like there's a lot of questions there and actually we're quicker to sell them the dream than we are to address the challenges of independence um, and answer them honestly. You know, I watched Nicola Sturgeon answer a question last night again about, you know, how we would deal with issues around uh, currency for talking sake and rather than actually just saying you know what life's hard just now there would be you know a phase into, into dealing with the currency issue and you know this is how this is this is a plan for moving forward it's like they want to sell you the dream all, all the time rather than just speaking about i suppose like the benefits of of self-determination and actually how it's a hard road to get there okay so first question for angela why should people in scotland vote for the labor party and trust them on their feelings We've been inside the floor and it's no it's not done as any good, so why is it going to be any different going forward? Thanks for your question. Um, I've stayed in the Labour Party. At times for me it's been difficult, but I've stayed in and we have made changes. Um, if Again, when I spoke to the gentleman earlier, um, it depended on what your reason for voting yes was. If your vote for, re for voting yes was for um, socialism and solidarity, then this is what's in this manifesto. We're offering real change for people across the whole of the United Kingdom. We're going to bring a green industrial revolution. There's going to be 35,000 jobs, unionised jobs. We're going to give a pay rise of 5% to public sector workers, whether you live in London, Liverpool or Wisha. We're going to end food banks. I've said it again, we're going to get rid of universal um, credit. We're going to bring the railway back into public ownership. If that was the reason you voted for independence, then give, it, give those um, vote Labour on the 13th, the 12th of December, because it's all in the manifesto. 
surely, surely, if that's the case, then you know you said he's he's made a stand for Scotland in in regards to uh, Trident, but then that's not carried into the national manifesto. So that again, there's, there's another prime example where it doesn't really live up. It's not carried into the UK manifesto, yeah. but if you elect people like myself, and there's and that is Scottish um, policy, is not to renew Trident, and it's people like me that didn't leave the Labour Party. We stayed in and we fought. We didn't leave. We argued a bit, and it is Scottish policy not to renew Trident, and we would take that and influence it in a UK level. Is there realistically enough of you, though? If you just want to, uh, we're very tight on time, Mark, so if you just want to reiterate your last question for Marion. I suppose to Marion it was about, you know, we were meant to have this sort of once-in-a-lifetime vote for, for, for independence, and, and at the time I was in favour of it, you could argue that actually the case for independence has been weakened. So, in real terms, like... How do we how do, how do we get into actually answering the, the hard questions that have been asked of independence and speak about those in, in real terms rather than almost try to sort of sell people the, the higher vision and the unicorn? Why can't we actually get in and, and tackle the issues? I feel as though, you know, we almost want to like talk over them rather than actually just you know address them and front them up head on. Thank you for the question. The First Minister has called for another referendum next year and we're requesting a Section 30 order from Westminster government, whoever is in power at that point, because no one knows exactly what will happen in this election. Funnily enough, as I've been chapping doors and pounding streets for the last number of weeks and will continue to do so for a wee while yet, I've lost a stone, I'm very pleased about that, but... Um, the question, when, when I'm asking people on the doorsteps in Motherwell and Wishaw who they're going to vote for, and I also ask them how they feel about independence, and every single night's work or afternoon's work I've done, yesers have always outnumbered no for independence. There is a real, this, um, in this constituency which voted yes in 2014, there is still a real thirst and hunger for it. And the reason why we need another independence referendum is because in 2014 we were told various things. And if you voted, you would get to stay in Europe. We voted to remain in Europe. We're being taken out against the wishes of the Scottish people. We have been told that, I'm sorry, I don't want to go on. I, I, can, ref I can go on about this. But the other thing that you did ask me, and I, I'm conscious, Derek, um, that um, if another when another independence referendum is called, then is the time to start looking at basic questions again. Now, the First Minister is right. I mean, I would agree with her because I don't agree with her on everything, but on this she's right. Why is it only England that can use the pound? It's our pound too. You don't need permission from England to use the pound as an interim currency, the same way that various countries across the world use the dollar, they don't ask permission of the US, is it okay if we use the dollar? They use it. It's, I mean, we could maybe move on to, and here I'm going way out my depth with cryptocurrencies, I don't think it's a good idea, but we could if we wanted to, but we won't, we'll use the pound, and then we don't even, to rejoin, or in fact, by the time all these, Brexit will not be done and dusted on the 31st of January. Brexit will drag on for quite a long time. There will be various negotiations happen to be, yes, 
Boris got his bill through with the help of Labour MPs, and that's we're into the first stage of it. And I shouldn't call him Boris, because that makes him sound cuddly. Mr Johnson, Prime Minister Johnson, got it through, um, his bill through. But that's just the start of what has to be done. And in that case, Scotland could still be in Europe by the time we have another independence referendum. We can use the pound. We are not obliged to use the euro, as some people have suggested. We're not, we don't have to use the euro. We can decide for ourselves. But in the first instance, and the reason, and the, the answers to your questions, in 2014, there was a 900-page document. Now, not everybody agreed with it. Not everything was... But at least we tried to put it down on paper, which wasn't done in the EU referendum. A bus with a number on it was really the manifesto for that. For another independence referendum, that will be when questions will be asked and answered before there is a vote, another vote, on whether Scotland should be an independent country. Okay, I'm afraid, I'm really, really sorry, but I'm afraid we're out of questions. We have to be out here by half past, so if anyone does want to ask a question, all three candidates are on social media. I'll make sure that they get the questions to you afterwards. Uh, we do want to give them all the opportunity to wrap up. Uh, I'm aware that Christopher didn't answer that last question, so I'll let you... Start first if you want to take to the podium or, or do where you're sitting, up to yourself. Well, first of all, again, I'd like to thank everyone for coming and to Derek for organising it. It's been a character building night, I think we could call it that. Um, <laughs> I hope I made the persuasive case to those of you who were willing to be persuaded, all two of you. Um, <laughs> um, it's also been my first hustings, it's my first time standing for an MP, and it's my first time voting. So I think it's... <laughs> so I think it's a good experience of what democracy can look like if it's actually put into place properly. Um, a vote for me in this election is a vote for true community politics. I'll always listen to you if I'm elected, and I'll always put you first. And now, more than ever, Motherwell Wisher needs its voice to be heard in the next parliament. Um, I know this is off topic, but um, I've heard today that um, Marion's office was vandalised as well. Um, I'd like to condemn that. Uh, Andrew already has today, so is the Conservative candidate. It's an example of what shouldn't be in democracy and what shouldn't happen in democracy. The people who did it aren't Democrats. They're not. They're just a disgrace. And I'd urge anyone with information to bring that forward to the police. So um, I've already put out a tweet today um, and my thoughts go to Marion and her staff for what happened. <laughs> um, there's one more thing I have to say um, before I wrap up. You'll probably be happy that I'm wrapping up now. Um, 
and in this election, no matter who you support, no matter which party you're a member of, just vote. Just vote. We saw in 2017 the amount of small majorities, including here in Motherwell and Wisher, that everyone's voice matters. So I'd urge you all to vote. And finally, to the two people who might vote for me, please do so. <laughs>
in the, in the, in the election in Motherwell and Wishaw and across the UK is that I was elected in 2015 to stand up for Scotland. And I went down with 56 colleagues. I went back in 2017 with 35 colleagues. And we have continued to do that. We stand up for Scotland. We don't stand up for anything other than what is best for the folk that we represent. We sincerely believe that Scotland would do much better as an independent country. And I think the Brexit chaos that we have lived through, and I know that you're all sick of it, but could you spare a thought for those of us who've been sitting on green benches <laughs> listening to it as well, day and night, this is what's been happening. And this Scotland is going to be dragged out of the European Union that came about after the Second World War, which has helped keep Europe peaceful, which has helped shape and help young people in Scotland widen their horizons through Erasmus scholarships. And that's not just folk going to university, it's folk, and there was a particular group I met from Easterhouse, from a youth group, who went to Europe and le learned so much more about how other people live. And this enriches Scotland to a degree that we'll lose that unless we can stay in Europe. The only way now, I believe, is that we can stay in Europe. And I am, my party and I support a second referendum on Brexit because there are people who have changed their minds, but there are many more people who just want it done because they're sick, fed up listening to it. The only way to really protect Scotland from Brexit and all the consequences for workers' rights and all the consequences that follow from that is to vote SNP in this election. Stand up for Scotland. Join me in standing up for Scotland on the 12th of December. Uh, I'll not hold that against you. Uh, just to wrap up, thank you to all three candidates for coming along tonight. Uh, and again, apologies from the two that couldn't make it. Uh, thank you very much again to Aslef Motherwell, uh, North Lanarkshire Trade Union Council as well for the small donations towards uh, the whole hire. Uh, and firstly, thanks very much to, most importantly, thanks very much to everyone for coming along and asking your questions. Again, apologies to those uh, that didn't get them in. We just quite ran out of time, but I'll make sure if you do get them to us uh, on social media, I'm sure the candidates would be happy to answer them. Uh, this was done for the DW podcast. It's a podcast that I host uh, here in Motherwell and across Scotland. Uh, I've done an interview previously with Ma um, Marine and Mary Black that you can check out on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, etc. Uh, and of course, more recently with Angela. Uh, I'll also be doing one with Chris uh, in the following weeks. Uh, so if you want to hear more from the candidates, that's where you can hear them. Uh, again, thank you very much for coming along uh, and good luck with your choices in the next few weeks.